Let's get in and turn to John 21. Thank you, Mike, for doing that. Let's get into John 21, and we'll finish up today uh, through verse 19, and then we have a last passage. Next Sunday is our last book in the book of John. So if you've been here, you've gone through the entire book of John, you have notes for the book of John, and you should be ready to teach the book of John. Amen? Yes? That wasn't a very big amen. In the, in, in the uh, notes, obviously, the, the pro, pro, provided for you in the bulletin, Derek just comically told me Amy didn't receive a bulletin. She raised her hand at home. So make sure you take her a bulletin. You can be her usher today. So let's, let's get right into John 21. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We left off at a breakfast last week. How many of y'all love eating breakfast together? We talked about how many would love to eat breakfast with Jesus, and these obviously the, his disciples have the opportunity. And now we're going to finish up with breakfast, and we're going to pick up right in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, and you see the word if you have a new King James, it says son of Jonah. Son, son is in italics. That means if you see any italicized words, they're not in the original. So that's just, it's helpful for the English language to understand. So Simon, son of Jonah, or Simon Jonah, and, and there's a play on words there as well. I'll talk about it in just a moment. It is a reference looking back to the Old Testament prophet of Jonah. As we know the story, let me tell you now. Let's do it now. What did Jonah do? Was he in obedience with, with God or was he in disobedience? He was disobedient. So there's a story that even in the Hebrew that goes right along in the Greek there, goes right along with the story of the Old Testament. So he's calling him by name and he's not calling him. What did Jesus give him the name of? Called him Peter. Stone or rock, right? And now he's going back to his old name because why? Peter's going back to his old ways. Peter's going back fishing. Peter's gone. He's left the ministry that God called him to because Jesus commanded him and these, these guys to be fishers of men. And now he's left what he was called to do and he's going back to the trade that he understands and he knows. So he's going back. So your translation does say, if you have New King James, Simon, son of Jonah, but Simon, Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me get back up. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, or Simon, Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, what does your translation say? Follow me. Here's another commission by God. God's God of multiple opportunities. So let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, how if we really were honest with you, we, and we know that you know all things, you know our hearts, Lord, you know exactly we're fit this bill so many times. So many times you've given us commands, you've given us a word from you, you've given us a blessing, a, Lord, just a, an excitement in life, and we digress. We go backwards and we take what you give us for granted. We can... Even be in company that, Lord, we shouldn't be in. We can even quit on you often. 
And Lord, I'm thankful that today that you are a God who gives second and third chances, that you come back around and Lord, you encourage us. Uh, Lord, you discipline us sometimes as well. But Lord, you encourage us to get back on the right path, right fellowship with you, because our relationship never changes. Thank you that you love us and care for us today. In Jesus' name we pray for sake. Amen. Go to your notes if you would. And this talks about us. We've been eating Wednesday night meals at church the last couple of weeks. If you missed them, guess what? You missed them. It's been some pretty good food. We've had some good fellowship. We've gotten together around the table. And you have a bulletin today. You can actually sign up for the Wednesday night meal. All the information's there. And we'll be cooking good food again this Wednesday, hopefully. And we'll be having a time of fellowship with each other, just sitting around talking about everything and really about nothing. Right? And I would encourage you, when you come, just to, just to bring your uh, happiness or your sadness to the table. And I guarantee there's somebody there who will encourage you at the table. But in your notes there, look at living in community with others exposes one's personality. Would you agree? Your family knows who you are. And, and even as a pastor, I realize many times, even in our literal community of Aiken County, when I go somewhere, people are watching me. I coached a basketball game last week in Orangeburg, and my blood vessels were pumping out of my head. Uh, one of our students <coughs> attended, and he, all, he didn't videotape the game. He videotaped me yelling at the kids, and, uh, and it was raising them what coaching. It's not yelling in, inside because I wasn't angry. And then even after the game, I had to tell the kids, y'all understand I wasn't angry. We had a strategy we were trying to do. I was frustrated that the referees were not making calls they should have called. I was frustrated that the kids didn't even understand how to play basketball the first, second, and third period of the game. We've been playing all season. So we won the game, by the way. They, they pulled it out at the end, did a terrific job. So our Lions did a very good job of winning that last game. But when we come to a place like where Peter is today, Peter has denied Jesus, as we know. We'll go back and look at that scripture in a community, people can look at you and see. They'll see your faults, right? Look around, look at your family. Our children, and when I used to be a children's minister, I knew everything that was happening in, in parents' home. They would come to church smiling and know that the kids just told me in children's church that mom and dad was yelling at me before church this morning. I got a spanking before church this morning. And, and I'd find out all kind of stuff that's happening at the house. And I was like, hey, we don't need to talk about that. Okay, let's. So there was like confessional to a Catholic priest when the kids would come in and talk to me. And I would just laugh when I would meet mom and dad and they would tell me how great things are. But in community, listen, our personality shines through. Look at your notes. Together this allows for mistakes, errors, failures, and makeups. And before marriage, did, did, were you ever told, if you're not, not married yet, making up is the best part of fighting? Have you told that or understood that? So making up happens in that community there that you have. This is true in our relationship with God as well. Peter would tell us later, and this is the, the apostle Peter. So when we see him right now with Jesus on the, on the shore, he's, he's been commissioned. He's been, uh, he's been through some miraculous things. And now he's denied Christ three times, and yet he jumps out of the boat. This time he didn't walk on water. He sunk and had to swim ashore. And he's there with Jesus, and he's humbled, and he's standing before his Lord. And he writes this later, as Mike would reference 1 Peter and then 2 Peter. He writes this, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another. Because love does what? Covers a multitude of sins. In the Amplified Version, it says it overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. That's there in 1 Peter 4.8. Did Peter receive the love of Christ? Today's sermon is simply that, loving Jesus, meaning that we love Jesus, but also that Jesus is what? Loving, loving Jesus. A descriptor of who Jesus is, but also what we should do. 
and it didn't tie it into the Valentine's Day. That was not in any intention at all. It was just that God had it land today on, on this special day. Look at the first note there. After Jesus miraculously supplied his disciples with a super abundant catch of fish, he invited them to breakfast. Does anybody remember from last week how many fish that little boat and that little net caught? 153 large fish, the Bible tells us. It was a super abundant catch that only God could do because they had fished all night, caught nothing, and Jesus yells from the shore, hey, throw it to the right side. And you can imagine what Peter's response might have been. He's frustrated, he's angry, I'm sure, but he's got no catch. He's left what Jesus commanded him to do of fishing for men. He's back to his old job because he knows how to do it, and he scored zero. Could you imagine the taunting he might have taken from his friends that were in the boat as well? Peter, I thought you said you knew how to do this. Peter, have you lost your edge? Peter, do you, what, what's, what's the deal? And when Jesus called, and I said it's about a football's field away, do you have any fish? Everybody that was fishing that day heard him on the water because the water was calm. That All those other fishermen who had fish, they had to announce back to the man on the shore. They didn't know who it was at the time. We have no fish. We, we know we've caught nothing. So Jesus is, if you see there in, for the disciples, even the ones in rebellion. Listen, if you belong to Christ today and you're living in sin today, I want you to understand that Jesus is your provider. He is. He provides for you everything that you have. The clothes on your back, the car that you drove here or rode in this morning, the house that you'll go back to, the apartment or somewhere you'll stay today, and the, the health that you have, Jesus is your provider. He's my provider. And he was the provider here even when Peter is still not fully restored with Jesus. Jesus has not lost relationship with him, but Peter has lost fellowship with Jesus. Because you ever been mad at a friend there in that community? Family member, you ever gotten upset with somebody? I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see her. She hurt my feelings. She said this. She texted this. Social media this. Social media that, right? We, we divide ourselves with people that we love. And matter of fact, we even say in our communities, we hurt the ones we what? Love the most. And, and that's true in, here with these disciples that Jesus had called. He had set them apart, and he had called them for a very specific purpose. So here at breakfast, He's their provider, and he's also our provider today. After breakfast, Jesus focused his attention on restoring Peter to right fellowship with himself. He's also the one who restores. So think about this today. Have you ever been on the outs with God? Have you ever sinned and you're like, you knew that you sinned, and every time that you would hear the gospel message, you'd run as fast as you can uh, from that word. Like when you hear a preacher, uh, preacher say, repent, and you're like, man, he's talking to me. Coming back also from a game, me and Bridget Avent, Bridget was my assistant coach, and, and somebody cut me off in traffic, and I was angry about the game. Again, that official was going, we've got to get some better officials. And right there in Orangeburg, there's on the interstate, we had just a short blip on the interstate going to Chick-fil-A, which wasn't my favorite place to eat ever, but the kids wanted to eat there. And right there, it, there was a big billboard, monster billboard that says, Repent of your sins. I'm complaining about the, the refin, and I'm complaining about the traffic. And I look at him like, are you kidding me? And Bridget's like, what? I was like, look at the sign. I can't even get away with it just for a moment. Uh, there's a billboard. God's screaming at me, repent of it, because you cannot, you can be angry and not sin. But I'd gotten to the place that I was complaining, and I was murmuring. I was griping about sin. So uh, God even used a billboard a couple weeks ago just to remind me, hey, stop it. It was just a game. And I always tell the kids, if this game changes your life, there's something wrong with your life. If your job changes your life, there's something wrong with your life. 
But if Jesus changes your life, listen, that's when you got something, wrong, something right with your life, and that's what he can actually do in all circumstances. Well, here he focuses very clearly on restoration. Look at your next point. I want you to see this. God emphasized the importance of love. Because First John tells us God is what? Love. So God always emphasizes, no matter what, if you read the judgments of the Old Testament, if you read the Ten Commandments or any commandment of God, or saying, why did God do that? Everything that God does, everything that does, God does is out of love because God is love. Now, love is not God, so don't ever cross it up and reverse it for your kids or for yourself. God is love. And so everything that he does, every judgment, every decision, everything that he's created was done out of love. And when he created Adam and Eve, he did that out of love. And when they sinned against him, he brought judgment. Obviously, there were curses that happened. There were things that happened against them. But it was out of love that they might be drawn back to his love. So we'll see there in the notes. Jesus asked Peter a simple question. Do you love me more than these? And y'all think about this. Sometimes you can read the story and it just becomes a historical narrative. But this is God asking Peter, do you love me more than these? More than these what? Some, some of us speculated more than the other disciples. I don't think that's what he was talking about. What do you think he was talking about? What's sitting in front of him? There's 153 large fish. His boat's sitting right there. And there's, there's fish on the grill. I think he was talking about the fish. Do you love me enough to leave what I called you to do, to do what I called you to do, and leave this fishing expedition? Because remember, he's already been called to be fishers of men, and he's left fishing for men to go back fishing for fish. He's gone back to what he knows that he thinks he can do well, and he's now a fisher of men again. Jesus is restoring him back. Take your Bibles, if you would. Go to Matthew 26. It's not in your notes. Matthew 26, and look at verse 33 with me. So back over to Matthew 26, and I want you to get a picture of who Peter was. Peter was always that rambunctious one. He was always that one that was outspoken. He was always got to be first to say something. He was always leading out, and even Jesus changes his name. But look at... Matthew chapter, chapter 26 there, verse 33, and we'll, we'll pick up there. This is obviously in, after Jesus does the, he institutes the Lord's Supper, and Jesus is predicting Peter's denial. So here he goes in verse 33. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me how many times? Three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Well, hold your place there. Peter was braggadocious at what he wouldn't do. Luke chapter 22. Go to Luke 22, and we'll pick up in verse 54. Luke 22, verse 54. When you're there, say amen. Luke 22, 54 is where we'll start. Peter has bragged that he will not betray Jesus under any circumstances. I'll die for you. I'll do it all for you. I'm fully, unconditionally committed to you, Jesus. You ever said that when you were young in your faith? Oh, this is so new and so fresh. No, but nothing's going to deter me from following Jesus. Nobody, no nothing, nothing. I'm on fire for Jesus for the rest of my life. And then life happens, and you start going, oh, i got to skip church this week, and i got to go do this, and i got to do that. And before long, you can't, you're not reading your Bible, and you're not doing the things that you made a strong commitment and vow to God you would do. But Luke twenty two fifty four, are you there? Let's go together. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, 
and sat down together. Peter said among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as, she sat, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. Peter stood up, said, Yes, I am. Got out his sword and killed everybody in the place. Isn't that what he said he would do? Even if I have to die, I'm going to die. Listen, but I'm going to die swinging. Because we know Peter liked to swing, right? Because he was, he, he, he was impulsive. He, he, struck the, he even cut the ear off the, when the high priest servants guards. So we know that he had a sword. We know that he was impulsive. And he probably pretty strong. And I would love it if that was part of just like he, he just got into sin and killed everybody in the courtyard. The end. And Jesus got away. That's how I'd write this story. But I'm not God. Aren't you glad? But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another said to him, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I do not know him, what you are saying. And immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He did very similarly the very same thing that Judas did, except Judas went out and hung himself. Judas realized he had committed a sin against God, and he went out and killed himself. Suicide is never the answer. Amen? So Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. He wants to quit, and what's he going to do? Where does he have to go? The only thing he knows to go back to is what? Fishing. That's what I used to do. That's the family business. But God had already called him ahead of this, and here he is. Now he's jumped out of the boat here. When we go back to John 21, he's, he swam ashore. He's right there with Jesus. We don't know all the words that happened, but these are the words that's happened. So possibly those three denials are now being affirmed three different times. When Jesus asks, do you love me, number one? Do you love me, number two? Do you love me, number three? And Peter says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But it's important to see how he answers him. Watch this. After Peter affirmed his love for the Lord, Jesus commissioned him to feed his lambs. That was the first thing he had to do, feed my lambs. That's a job that anybody can do. Anybody can feed a lamb. And you remember what Jesus said? I am the good shepherd, and you are my sheep. You, if you follow me, you're my sheep. So he was referring to those very immature people in the faith. Peter, can you at least... Work in children's ministry? <laughs> Peter, can you help the little lambs? Can you help the little sheep? So watch what happens, though. But as Mike alluded to, when Jesus said, do you love me? The Greek there is agape. Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I phileo. I friendship love you. See the difference? Philadelphia is known as what? Well, the name is. The city's not known for it. <laughs> It's called the city of brotherly love, but it's obviously the last thing on, on their mind is love. Seems like today with the crime rates there. But the phileo there in Philadelphia is city of friendship, city of brotherly love. That's where it comes from. So Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo, I friendship brotherly love you. So he didn't answer the question the way Jesus asked it. Watch, then Jesus goes on, to, and when he asked it again, and Jesus asked Peter that second time, do you love me? Again, Peter affirmed his love for the Lord. Jesus commissioned him to shepherd his sheep, go to another level. Not just feed what we have in there, there in the Bible, but now go and I want you to take care of now the mature, take them out the pasture. And if y'all ever, we talked about this this week a little bit. If you've ever heard the, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me do what? 
lie down in green pastures. And when you think of a green pasture, think of the hillside there in Jerusalem in that area. What's the, what's the green pastures look like? In our mind, if we're not careful, we think of America because we have it so nice. We think of a green pasture. What is a green pasture? A nice meadow with all the green grass everywhere. That's not a green pasture that the, the Bible's talking about. It's clumps of green here, desert, clumps of green here, clumps of green here. It's all over. You've got to keep moving the sheep to a clump of green grass. So it's not just this beautiful green grass field that you would imagine a nice sheep softly laying down with his wool all washed, cuddly. It's not that. It's very much a place that takes a lot of work to get those sheep fed and protected. And that's how the one can get away from the 99. He can get way over there where he's feeding and just trail off and go and disappear. That's why the shepherd has to look because the sheep are spreading out to little clumps of grass. That is a green pasture there. So when Jesus tells Peter the second time, do you love me? Peter responds again, yes, Lord, I, phileo, I love you with brotherly love. He didn't come back and fully answer that. Hold your place for a second and go back with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want you to see something. We need to see the current Peter, what's happening here. And we know both of these are past tense, but the current Peter and then the Peter he would become. Look at him. And this is what God wants to do in your life and my life. He's not done with you yet. I don't know where you are in your spiritual state of life or where you are physically in life. He's not done with you yet. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. If you could understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that you might be born again, that he wants to give you eternal life, and all you have to do is ask for it, he says yes. If you can understand that, you can understand, listen, there's a future for you with God. Not just heaven, but the here and now, not just the hereafter. I want you to read with me 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. He says this, the elders who are among you, I exhort you, I who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Here's what he says, the same thing Jesus commissioned him to do here when he says, do you love me, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep? This is what Peter is now telling the elders of the church. He's telling us as pastors today as well. Look at verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being the examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, what's his name, by the way, church? Jesus. When he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How would Peter know that at all? Guess who he was? He was the very prideful person. He was not humble at all. He was always the first one to put his foot in his mouth. He was the one always speaking up. And Lord had to humble him. And here Peter is saying, listen, I've learned my lesson. The Holy Spirit's taught me. The Scripture's taught me. I've learned my lesson. And let me tell you what I've learned. This is from God. As God speaks to him and through him, Peter writes to you and me today. Watch what he continues in verse five, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Because why? He cares for you. This is something that's beautiful for us to understand. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, uh, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
that you may, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Is that a different man than what we're seeing here on the shore? Is that a man who's, like, who's been broken? So Peter was very prideful. I will die for you, Lord. Whatever it takes, I'll die for you. Deny, deny, deny. Crying bitterly, weeping bitterly. I'm a failure. My life's terrible. I've, I've destroyed everything. I denied God himself. And then it's Jesus swimming to Jesus, having breakfast with Jesus. Jesus asking him, God himself asking, do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me unconditionally? And Peter saying, Lord, I can't even make it because I lied last time. When you asked me that, I told you I would die for you. I said I was unconditionally in this thing for you. And Lord, I'm not there. I've, he's matured a little bit. He's realized he's not the unconditional lover of Christ that he thought he was. He would not actually die for him. He would deny him. And now he's come to the place. He says, Lord, you know that I brotherly love you. I love you deeply, but I can't tell you I unconditionally love you because I've already failed you. You know I failed you. And here I am today, what can I say? If I say yes, I agape, I unconditionally love you, you know it's not true. Because Peter even says, you know all things. So I can't lie to you and tell you I unconditionally love you. I, I do love you, but I love you as a friend and as a brother. I, I don't know you deep enough, I don't think. I, I can't say that I'm unconditionally in love with you. So he answers honestly and says, Aphileo, I love you like a friend. I love you like a brother. And Jesus says, I'll use that. What's this? Isn't it amazing? Jesus says, I'll take that. He takes the honesty of Peter, even when Peter's not measuring up whatever. How do we measure Peter today? We say he's one of the greatest disciples, right? Even the Roman Catholic Church says he founded, he was the first pope. He was not, by the way. But the Catholic Church says that he is the first pope because Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church. He didn't build his church on Peter, the small stone. He built his church on Jesus Christ the head of the church. That's the rock of the church is Jesus Christ. But Peter was a leader in the disciple group and now the apostles. And Jesus now calls him Simon. He goes back and doesn't call him Peter. He calls him Simon. And he tells him to look at himself. And as Peter's there before, holy God, he knows he's died on the cross. He, he knows he's resurrected because he sees him. He's eaten with him. He's even been in the upper room with him when he's come to the wall. He's even told Nathaniel about him when Nathaniel wasn't there. And now here we are by the seashore. We're, we're there by the Sea of Galilee, and Peter's humbling himself going, you know everything. If, if I say something that's not right, I'm lying, and you know that I'm lying. Did you know that God knows every thought that you have? He sees you when you're laying down, the Bible says. He sees you when you're sitting down, when you rise up, when you go to and fro. God sees you every single day, because he made you, and he's God. I want you to look at this. Peter, the third time there, Jesus asks Peter a third time, do you phileo? Now, Jesus has changed to Peter's word and says, do you brotherly love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You're omniscience. By saying, Lord, you know all things, Jesus commanded him to feed the flock of God. There in Acts chapter 20, I won't read it today, but Paul writes what the shepherd's supposed to do. Be on guard. Paul says, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to another place and preach. But be careful. There's wolves among you. Where do the wolves dwell? Where do they live? They live in the church. They live in the dens. They live in the hollers. Listen, every time we see a wolf, what do we do? Our responsibility is to do a couple things. Try to convert the wolf to a sheep. If the wolf won't convert to a sheep, what do we do to the wolf? We've got to kill the wolf, right? We, we don't kill humans. 
But what we do is you can't, there's no place for you here. You can't go in and destroy what God is trying to do. And Paul writes a warning. Hey, church, watch out. They're coming. As soon as I leave, as soon as a strong leader, you ever seen a church with a strong leader and when the leader gets called somewhere else or passes away, what happens to the church many times? They start going. Look at all the first of churches in our nation, first Baptist of whatever. It was the first Baptist church. Not they were number one, but they were the first Baptist church in that community. Most of the first Baptist churches of today are the most liberal churches. Most aren't even churches anymore. They're selling them as bars or museums or different places like that. So be careful and be on watch for your heart because what happens is when you hear the word of God, if you don't live the word of God, you will become one of the most liberal, sinful people that uh, God has on the planet. And he's going to judge you accordingly. So here Peter is telling us very clearly, Paul is telling us, be careful. Check your heart. Make sure that you stay in love with our first love, who is whom? Church, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus prophesies here. He prophesied concerning the future persecution and death of Peter. He said, you're going to die, and you're going to die by crucifixion. That's what he says there in that text in verse 18. Someone's going to lead you where you don't want to go. He's telling him of the death he's going to die. Church history tells us, and, and we can only verify it through church history, not through the scriptures. So if someone tells you as a matter of fact, we don't know it to be a matter of fact. We just take it on tradition that Peter was crucified, and he didn't want to be crucified like his Savior because he didn't count himself worthy. So he was, church tradition tells us he was crucified upside down. So how true that is that? I don't know, but Jesus here prophesied uh, about his death. Jesus also indicated that Peter's death would glorify God. I started thinking about that. Whose lives do I know of people that were maybe famous men or women that glorified God in their death? Can you name somebody who maybe we all would know nationally or internationally? Think of maybe some great president that, that, that his life glorified God. Does anybody know who had the cure for any disease? Does anybody know the name of anyone who, who was smallpox, who was the, on the team of that? Does anybody know the, the people who invented whatever, the first computer, the actual tech that did it? Does anybody remember any of those great things that we, we consider great today? If we're not careful, we'll put stock and we'll put our hope and heart into people that are doing great things in the news. But let me encourage you. I think of like of a Billy Graham. Are you familiar with Billy Graham? He left a life, he left a legacy, and he left lots of things for us to, there was a, there was a trail of history of he wasn't perfect. And if you go to the Billy Graham Library, he'll tell you he wasn't perfect in recordings. Uh, there's, it's a great resource that if you have a lost loved one to go to the Billy Graham Library, it starts you out with a funny way, walks you through the whole process, and you actually hear the gospel message as you go through the library. So he even left a legacy when you come to his free museum, he left a legacy that you will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ when you come there. He's a man who left a legacy of faith. And you and I have to make that decision today. Like Peter, in Peter's death, his death will bring glory to God. Did Peter leave us a trail, to, if we would, to, of breadcrumbs, how to get to the kingdom? Yes. Did he tell us how to love Jesus? Yes. He, did he tell us how to live? Yes. Based on his personal failures, but also on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how God restored him, and yet he wants to restore you and me today. It's a beautiful picture how God could even bring glory to himself through a death of a saint. Precious in the sight of God are the death of his saints. You know the Old Testament says that? When you die as a saint of God, living like God, listen, the Lord says it's, it's good in his place. And we, if you've been to a funeral of someone who's a strong Christian, and we usually say, if, if it know it's a strong Christian, hey, does anybody have a good word? What happens? We have to say, okay, okay 
three more, that's it. We can't take any more. I know everybody wants to speak because what happens, everybody wants to tell you a story. Hey, he helped me, she helped me. They helped me in our time of need. They were always didn't tell anybody. They secretly helped me, and they did great things for God, and they gave God the glory. Those are the kind of people that God wants us to be. That's what Peter's telling us. Listen, you will have cares, you will have anxieties, but you've got to cast all those on the Lord, and then in turn, watch out. The devil's trying to get you. Be on, be on the alert all the time and asking God in prayer constantly. Paul says, pray without ceasing so that we might be one step with God every step we take. Always looking around because your adversary, the devil, is looking to get you. And he'll trip you up how? Usually when it's quiet, when you're tired, when you're down and out, that's when he comes at you. God doesn't love you, right? Those people, they don't care for you. And it'll be all those negative things. And if you're confused, let me tell you, that's not coming from Jesus Christ. Amen? If there's a confusion in your life, that's coming from the devil or yourself, not coming from God. Well, look, we'll talk about this next week. We'll jump right into it. Jesus refreshed his call to Peter. What did he say to me? Two words, right? He said to him, and he says to you and me, follow me. I've already called you out one time, right? Stop fishing. Stop it, right? Quit fishing and follow me. I've got a job for you to do, and you've got to go make fishers of men. You've got to go make followers of me. So the, Peter left his fishing permanently that day, I believe. He became a forgiven and faithful follower of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. This is discipleship. This is loving Jesus. When you express yourself and give yourself your time, talent, resources to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saying, I'm all in. Does it cost you something to be here at church? Yeah, there's things you could be doing. There might be things you have to do. Does it cost you to actually give your resources to the thing of, of the Great Commission to give so that people might be saved around the world? Yes, it takes money. Do y'all realize it takes money for missionaries to actually leave their house? Well, it takes money for their house. It takes money for their cars. It takes money for them to go. It takes money for us to go into the neighborhoods. We, it's not just happening. God just go twinkle, twinkle, twink, right? The old bewitched commercial. Uh, it's God who actually uses everything that's in your wallet and your checking account. He uses your resources that he's given you to be on great commission with him. So when Peter said, follow me, Peter's like, okay, Where's Peter going to get his money from, church? Any idea? Peter don't have a bankroll because he went back fishing to make some money, I'm sure, to feed his family. Where is he going to get the resources to go forward? We go to the book of Acts. The church takes a collection. Hey, we're not going to leave preaching and praying to wait tables. Get some deacons for that. That's where the first deacons come from, right? Acts chapter 6. We're going to preach and we're going to pray. Isn't that amazing to see that in Acts when you see Peter? He didn't say, we're not going to preach, pray, and fish occasionally. I'm not saying he never fished again, but he didn't fish commercially again. Peter fished for men for the rest of his life. Here's the deal. I ask you this question. Have you received the following, the forgiving love of Jesus? Have you? If so, are you living out discipleship in your life? You die today, your box is down here with you in it, with an empty shell. Would somebody stand up here and say, this person was a faithful follower of God, and through their death, they're bringing glory to Jesus Christ? Or would they say, well, they, they made a lot of money. They're rich. Well, they, they did some good stuff, but they got a lot of good stuff left. You ever thought about the old cars? Pick a car, 50s, 60s, 40s, whatever you like, the classics, now we call them. When they were around, everybody says, "Who had anybody have a really cool car when you're old, um, older in the 60s or 50s or 60s model car? Anybody have a cool car? Richard Bragg, I know you had a cool car back in the day. What did you have? Some kind of something back in the day. But I'm talking about when you were a young man. What'd you have? What was your first cool car you had? 
47 Nash. I don't know if that's cool or not. But that... Anybody else? A cool car? What do we call them today? We go back and look and say, those are what? Classics. And now we're talking about Mustangs and all the other Fairlanes, all the different cars that people had. Impalas, we talk about those things. Well, everybody had them back in the day, but if somebody kept that one, put it in the garage and kept it, what happens? Today it's worth a lot of money. Same thing with Peter. When Peter was just coming through, he was just an average guy who was saved by the grace of God. And now we look back at Peter and go, wow, the apostle Peter. Even churches are called St. Peter's fill in the blank, right? He's lifted up as this one awesome dude. But we see him right here in the reality that he was a good for nothing, right? He denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was restored by Christ, and he was willing to do and follow Christ and be a faithful follower of his. Are you following Jesus daily? Yes or no? you got to answer that. Don't answer out loud because, like Peter, God knows all things and he knows your heart. It's easy to lie to, in church, right? Isn't it? Yes, I'm following him daily. I do everything for him like I should. And you look in the mirror going, hmm, not the mirror that's looking at you, but the mirror of the word of God. That confronts us and, and that confounds us sometimes. And the question is, do you want to be right with God? Don't you want to be right with God? Don't you want to be right with God today? Don't you want to be right with God tomorrow, next week, the week after, and then when the day comes for you to see him face to face? Because you're going to meet God, y'all, all of you, whether you're saved or not. You're going to see God again. Some of you are going to see him as your judge, and he's going to cast you into the lake of fire. Isn't that a terrible thing about somebody sitting in here today or somebody watching could possibly be, will be, cast into the lake of fire because they rejected Jesus Christ? Not today, Pastor. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation the Scripture is very clear about. Jesus gives us that opportunity to receive him and live for him daily. So that's my challenge to you today. Do you know that you know that you know you're going to heaven when you die? And if so, listen, rejoice and be a disciple of his. Not just a Christian, but a Christian disciple. Someone who's selling out for Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have time to be a preacher like you. I don't have a time to be a preacher either. Right? Even though that's what my first calling is. We teach and we also do things in the community. We fix things in the church. The thing is, we do what God's called us to do. Should everyone leave their jobs today and be pastors? Of course not. But we're all ministers of the gospel. If you're a Christian, you instantly become a minister of the gospel. And you must give out the gospel whatever way. At work, around the coffee table, anywhere that you do, in your homes, whatever you have resource-wise, use it for the glory of God that he might actually be lifted up. And that everybody would say, hey, that person loves Jesus. And they would fall more in love with Jesus than they do with you. It's amazing that we can do this. It's amazing that God gives us the opportunity to do this. But why don't we do it? Because we say today, if I said, don't you want to do this? And everybody would say, come on, nobody wants it. Don't you want it today? I do. So what we have to do is take that first step to Jesus. Say, Jesus, forgive me like Peter. He's in front of Jesus. He had to have that conversation around that fire. You know all things, Lord. You know that I love you friendship-wise. You know I bragged about being unconditional love for you, but I don't have that. I just got, I, I can only get this far. And the Lord said, I'll take it. I'll take that love. You'll, if you move in my direction, I'll take it, and then I'm going to use you for something else. And then Peter later writes, have unconditional love for God. He challenges you and me. Humble yourself before God, and watch what he'll do. He'll exalt you in due time. That's the Peter that we're actually reading about today. But you know what? That's the Lord that we serve today. We can have that same experience with God. Restoration 101 with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we know that you're a loving God. We know that your word is very true. We know that you are truth. You even said 
You are the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by you, Jesus Christ. And Father, today we're hearing a lot of voices and a lot of things that take our attention away. So did Peter in his culture, his time. Father, today we ask very humbly that, Lord, if there's any wrongful way in our lives, that, Lord, we would confess that, get that out of the way, that, Lord, we might live daily refreshed being with you. Lord, like Peter, when he died, Lord, he, he glorified God through his death. May we glorify God in our living, but also glorify God in our death. What an awesome thing that we can actually stand and live for Jesus, knowing the Lord that when we die, Lord, our death is not in vain. It's a beautiful thing in your eyes. We bless you today. We love you today. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room that's never given their heart life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be a day of salvation. No one's fallen through believers' baptism. Lord, they would say, I want to be baptized because I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. No one's plugged into a discipleship model, Lord, into a group or to a, even online or something that's been produced. Lord, today would be the day that they would get involved in discipleship and be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be like Peter after this encounter with you. May we be like Peter as we mature in the faith and knowledge from the Word of God because your Word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.